Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you're hearing this, you know how to get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. You can follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com. Posting things over there all the time. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can, unless you're clearly spam bots. As I record this, you have less than two weeks to submit your live act to this year's Philly Sketchfest. And if you have a short film or a sketch video that you'd like to submit, you have a little bit more time to do that. All the information that you need to know is available at phillysketchfest.com. But before we get started, here's a word from some of my friends. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Today's guest is A.J. Schrader, based in Greensboro, North Carolina. A.J. will be performing as Thunderstood, his solo act, at Toronto Sketchfest on March 5th and 6th. And then A.J. will be performing multiple times at the North Carolina Comedy Festival as a member of We Comedians and Mon Frere. Two different shows on March 21st. AJ's first sketch is called Four Loco. AJ reads the role of Jeff, a college student who's been awake all night after drinking Four Loco. And AJ also handles the stage directions and the action bits because I read the roles of Fred, who is Jeff's roommate, as well as a can of Four Loco itself. So let's go to the sketch. Student Jeff sits blurry-eyed, staring at a screen. His roommate Fred has just awoken and walks into the room. Holy shit, dude. You really stayed up all night? I had an energy drink. Jeff proudly produces a can of Four Loco. That's not really an energy drink. Uh, Fred takes a can to trash, pulls out another can of Four Loco from it as he opens the lid. How many of these did you have? <laughs> I'm DAC says Loco right now. What the fuck, man? I had to finish my half of the paper. Jesus, well, forward it to me so I can check for any four loco induced mistakes before we turn this shit in. He notices the cheese making supplies spread around the room. Where did all this stuff come from? I made a block of cheese. What? Jeff produces a block of cheese. After you finished your half of the paper, you made a block of cheese? No. Instead of finishing my half of the paper, I made a block of cheese. Munster? Jeff opens another can of Four Loco. Fred takes it from him. Jeff produces yet another can of Four Loco, seemingly out of nowhere. This paper is a fifth of our grade, dude. Please tell me you didn't really spend all night making cheese. No, I also made a chicken incubator. Jeff produces a chicken incubator. Soon we'll have chickens. I hate you. That is understandable. We still got three hours till class. Let's bang something out. A giant human can of Four Loco steps onto stage with a bat. Jeff looks to him for guidance. The can shakes his head no. I'm I'm not allowed. You're not allowed to finish the paper? The Four Loco won't let me. I, I think I might have a drinking problem. Really? You think? 
Just go to sleep, Jeff. I'll finish the paper myself. That's a good idea. Or you could smash Fred's computer and use that as an excuse to get an extension on your paper. No, for local, he'll be upset. Go to sleep, Jeff. You do it, I'll send inappropriate text messages to your mom. Then she'll no longer respect you. I'm sorry, Fred. I love my mom. Jeff smashes up Fred's computer good. What just happened? I smashed your computer. You're welcome. Now we'll get an extension. That's not an excuse at college, Jeff. There's a whole library full of computers. We need to smash the library. Jeff, my half of the paper was on that computer. Now we have no paper. Aw, you made me upset, Fred. Who are you talking to? Tell him about what else you did last night, Jeff. Then he'll be proud of you. I don't want to tell him, for Loco. He's not ready to know. Tell me what, buddy? You tell him or I'll make you wet yourself right now. <laughs> you already made me do that last night. Jeff, we need to take you to the nurse. Maybe we can get an extension based on your medical emergency. If you go to the nurse, they're all going to find out anyways. Fred, I did something else last night. Did it have anything to do with postmodern thought in New Orleans society and music? Because otherwise... I had a baby. You got someone pregnant? Four Loco shakes his head no. No, Jeff. I had a baby. Jeff produces a baby that I was hiding under the table. You stole a baby? Four Loco shakes his head no. No, Fred. The baby came out of me. It, it, it's mine. It's mine and the Four Locos. You, you can't get pregnant from drinking Four Loco. Plus, you're a guy. I'm not just a guy, Fred. I'm a father. Tell him what we named it. The child is named Fred Loco. After you, Fred. I'm never partnering with you on a paper again. I'm taking the class pass-fail anyways. Lights. Hey, AJ. Hello, Josh. All right, so tell me where this sketch comes from. What's the idea to it? Uh, well, so this is a, an old sketch from... Uh, we did a, a college show, me and my original like sketch group. And uh, at the time, I was drinking a lot of Four Loco back when it was <laughs> <laughs> even worse than it is today. Yeah. Yeah, so. Four Loco was a huge thing for... It was a nice span yeah. of time. Yeah, people were having heart attacks and just <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff. So this yeah, was definitely that... written while I was on for a loco. <laughs> uh, what group was this for? This was for the group Monfrayer. Oh, I I don't think I've ever heard of Monfrayer. Uh, we didn't. So we we recently rebanded, but yeah, we never. Uh, oh, we never left North Carolina really in sure. terms of like touring around. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because my. Well, like my first introduction to you specifically, and I don't remember what year it was, um, but I took a I took a couple you know sketch classes at Philly Improv Theater mm-hmm. here in Philly, and I believe it was Paul Paul Trigg was the teacher, and he showed uh, your Nintendo sketch from Thunderstood. Oh, nice! And it blew all of our minds because like <laughs> a, a, a lot of us were like, "Wait, well, you can do something like that?" Like. Right, I have a I have a history of like making inanimate objects characters, I guess. Yeah, it was like, and it was awesome because like we're all just like, oh, this is this is crazy and amazing, and oh, thank you. We're not gonna be able to write that, like uh. we're not gonna. Be, like, <laughs> and then you that. started writing sketch, and you're like, ah, oh, this piece of shit. I can do that <laughs> any day of the week. 
so where does comedy begin for you? Like, do you have an early me- earliest memory of like watching comedy? Uh, I guess my earliest memory watching comedy is definitely like Muppet Show, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. Like, where are people watching Muppet Show? Like, I like was it on cable like growing up? Because you're I, definitely not old enough to have right. seen it when it originally aired. I don't. I so I don't remember. My parents had like VHS tapes, okay. a lot of VHS tapes, and so. And, you know, I guess I kind of associate Muppet Show and Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock, like, all mm. together in that same sphere that, you know, I was obsessed with puppets, so I also sought it out. Mm. Uh, I also, like, my dad had a bunch of, like, old comedy records that he stored in my room growing up, and so, mm. like, at, late at night, I'd listen to, like, old Steve Martin records and that sort of stuff. Was it just like Steve Martin? Any other major records that were? Like uh, there was there was a Cosby record that I listened to a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to talk about that now. So yeah, but, yeah. That that Noah bit's dead now, right? So the dentist bit and all those. <laughs> what was it about puppets? Uh, I, I guess I just loved that they could be any like you know these amorphous blobs were like you know can become creatures that anything can perform i also really loved you know just how goofy they all were i like silly mm. comedy a lot i think uh because i don't necessarily have a ton personally to say politically <laughs> that like <laughs> that someone else isn't already saying right i'm probably saying it better and has more of a right to say it so i like i like goofy comedy a lot of times yeah uh so um and then, like, I mean, Muppet Show is kind of sketch comedy for the most part. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But do you remember, like, that first introduction of other, like, human sketch comedy? Uh, I was big into, like, Comedy Central, like, Monty Python, Holy Grail. Me and my brothers watched that over mm-hmm. and just over again. Kids in the Hall, State, you know, all the classics. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Ugh, I wish I had Comedy Central as a kid. Stupid no yeah. cable. Yeah. Stupid no I don't know. Yeah, like, I definitely it... watch too many of the same movies in a row because of oh, Comedy Central. Absolutely. Like, I, I I think people joke now that Comedy Central is just like South Park on a on endless loop oh, now, right. but that's always been Comedy Central's like mo is. Yep. Let's put the same piece <laughs> we, of programming got... on over and over and over again. We've got rights to something. Let's hear yeah. it. <laughs> um. I, I'm always curious. Like, you didn't mention SNL, but like, I, but I always ask, who would be your favorite SNL cast member all time? Ooh, uh, Phil Hartman. Mm, why? Uh, just he always made the straight man interesting, and that's something I feel like gets left out of sketch comedy a lot. Uh, it's one of the hardest things I think, as in, especially when you start sketch comedy, figuring out that oh, the straight man man needs a reason to be there and his own goals other than just reacting to whatever wild thing is happening sure yeah and, yeah and he was a master of that yeah like uh phil hartman is probably my answer too like oh nice just just the fact that like he grounded everything and yeah. made everything real like yeah even unfrozen caveman lawyer is right. <laughs> a a perfectly real character there's like there's no wink. There's no nod to the like audience. Like, yeah. oh, we're doing a comedy bit here. Like, he's just yeah. so great, just so there. And I also have a connection because he he was actually an album artist 
before he was a sketch comedian and my background is in visual art too so okay you know feel a little special kinship with him because of that (laughs) yeah that was the thing that like i mean looking back at it like he was so much older than right a lot of that cast because he had had a full career yep before he even started doing comedy like it's yeah like if anyone's getting into comedy late in life like he's one of those inspirations of like yeah it can totally happen right and he was have to he was you on Pee Wee's be... Playhouse too, so he was yeah, like puppets thing still. <laughs> you have to be super level genius, right, for it to work out. But like, I mean, he wrote Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the first season of yep. Pee Wee's Playhouse, and then he goes from that to SNL. Like, that's the reason he's no longer Captain Carl. Like, yeah, he, he's a he's awesome. a dream for every aging sketch comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and I say aging, but he was only like thirty four right. when he got on. No, younger than me, now. right? <laughs> yeah, younger than me too. So. Right. So now we have to look to Leslie Jones because she was like, right, late forties. Someone giving uh, us hope. <laughs> um, so, what's your first uh, step to performing and writing comedy? Uh, in terms of like legitimate performance, I got into improv in college, um, mm. but I, I was doing plays and stuff before that in high school. Okay, so you were a performer kid, like uh, I was a I was a tech theater kid. I think okay. initially that I. I signed up for theater because of art. I wanted to do, you know, do sets and stuff. But then there was in high school, there's not enough guys, or at least when I w- was in high school in the theater, like department. So yeah, yeah, I feel that's a cl- that's a a true cliche of right. high school drama is that they always need guys. Yeah, and then you know, it then becomes saturated with guys later on, and then yeah. it's tough to find you know good pieces for like an ensemble female cast and things. Yeah. But, uh, so I was kind of thrust into performing in high school and didn't love it, but didn't hate it. But we did do an, like an improv section there that I was just, I was like, oh, this is cool. I get to, I get to write the thing while I perform it. And that was, that was a big like aha moment for me. Mm. So you go to college and you start doing improv in college. I joined How, like it was just a club that was on campus. No, uh, we didn't have any like college sponsored stuff, but there was a professional club that kind of opened downtown while I was in college called the Idiot Box, which is still okay. where I still where I do most of my performing and where the North Carolina Comedy Festival is held at now. Mm-hmm. So they had auditions, and me and my one of my buddies. Uh, went to that and we got kind of a scholarship for the classes and we're super excited because we were going to pay anyways if we didn't get in so <laughs> yeah the joy of, of not of being prepared to pay for something and then not yes. having to it's, it's like ah you suckers <laughs> <laughs> now you're some of my best friends but i got one over on you <laughs> yeah it, like it starts the relationship on a good foot i suppose right. all right so then where does sketch start for you so then sketch grew out of improv, you know, uh, with that group. We, we had a very short-lived group called No and Sketch uh, that was just kind of a house team. But I was, everyone was very good, but I was the only one who was like, oh, sketch is the thing that I want to do. Like I started to associate myself as a sketch comedian more than mm. as an improv comedian. And so like just, you know, everyone had different desires of schedule and stuff. So I kind of then made 
gathered up my brother and a couple other people to try to do a more like definitive sketch group where we do sketch yeah, rather than so, sketch and improv. So over the years, I've I've known your work through three different forms: uh, Thunderstood, yes, Unstoppable Failure, yeah, and Don't We Boys. Yeah, what comes first? Uh, first of those would be Thunderstood, but mm-hmm. I would say Unstoppable Failure grew out of Monfrere, which was the larger group. Okay. Uh, so, but I definitely the name Unstoppable Failure was after understood so all right well i guess i jumped over Monfrere. so like tell me about the the beginnings of Monfrere. Monfrere was me my brothers like my college roommate a friend from high school uh and like i said it was just i wanted a group that was going to be specifically focused on sketch comedy and so i just kind of asked a bunch of people that i thought were funny hey do you want to do this and we had monthly shows for a couple of years all over. And then there were some bits that, you know, either like I didn't want to make people do because I thought they were too weird or mm-hmm. they just kept getting cut from the show because I had kind of written them just for myself and I didn't want to make everyone sit backstage while I did that. And th- <laughs> those things kind of grew in to Thunderstood. What, so what do you get to the point of, I mean, you mentioned, you know, being super silly or super goofy bits, but like, where do you get to the point of saying like, hey, this needs to be a solo project instead of, you know, the uh, full group? Right. Part of it just became uh, travel logistics. It's yeah, so okay. much easier to travel solo in terms of getting the schedules together because we had done kind of a couple local festivals with Monfrere, we did one in Boston and and one in New York, and just the the amount of effort to get six people together to travel someplace beyond the state was Herculean. And I wanted to do a lot more festivals, so the solo show was just easier to like apply to whatever I wanted and not have to check all these schedules. <laughs> Yeah, it always like being on the ground here in Philadelphia for Philly Sketch Fest and being at, you know, behind the scenes for that for the last couple of years. I always marvel at the idea of a big giant group right traveling together. Yeah, like, it just, blows like, me away. Like when when there's an entire group of like five people together that come in from like like Canada, I'm I'm like, yeah. "Wow, how did you guys do this?" Or at the same token, like um, you know, Bad Medicine out of Washington DC. Right. Their numbers could be up to 14. Yeah. But you're only ever going to see like five of them at a right. time because they rotate out. Like, yeah, so if I, you want to be a, like a traveling team, you either have to be like super huge where you can cherry pick, you know, people that are available. available weekend, yeah. And or, everyone like, has to be like willing to sub parts out and yeah, all like, that. It's, it, uh, it's one of those things about sketch comedy that I like people don't think about is like right. if you want to travel the logistics of having five or six people agree to travel is right. Amazing. The, the logistics of everything in sketch comedy is, <laughs> is the hardest part. It's like of the forms, you know, I'm not going to say one form of comedy is better than the other. Sketch comedy is the hardest to organize by yeah. far. Yeah. I mean, improv people, you can practice like over and over right. again, but like you go to a show, you warm up a little bit and just go like yep. sketch comedy. There's a full process. There's tech. There's the writing, the lights, everything about it. 
Like, and a lot of times it's just like one person in the group says, all right, I'm going to make sure this gets done. Oh, <laughs> uh, were you that person? For... I was that person. <laughs> <laughs> Still am that person. Right. Because um, I'm neurotic. <laughs> so, so you, you're part of Mon Frere and you're starting to branch yes. out as yourself as Thunderstood. Yeah. Where does that name come from? Uh, that comes from just in high school on the bus. One of my buddies said, you know, Thunderstruck by AC. It's Thunderstood that Thunderstruck by ACDC <laughs> rocks. And it just, it just always stuck with me that I thought it was such a, a fun word. And then when I was doing this solo stuff, I really liked the idea of kind of like a premise word up front mm. uh, that because it just kind of like I always like when sketches get to what they're about quickly so that the sketch was kind of like here's the word that inspired the sketch right up so it's almost definition like but in a weird way which is why I liked kind of a a word pun as the name of it yeah and I'm not gonna lie it's very hard to google if understood right <laughs> like uh because I was looking to see if that Nintendo sketch was online like mm-hmm. this morning and YouTube thinks I was looking for some kind of screw that <laughs> some company had patented. Like <laughs> they they thought I wanted a thunder stud. Ah, uh, I which first off, I am I happy. Mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, that searching for thunder stud or for thunder stud gave me a tool thunderstood. for thunder stud right. instead of some kind of like Magic Mike style dance right. review. Because those are your options, really. Yeah, because. Like, I just don't need that in my search history. No. Um, so, and then, <laughs> so after, uh, so in the process of Thunderstood, you have Unstoppable Failure where it becomes you and your brother. Right. And originally it was me, my brother, and my buddy John that was a three-man group. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but so, then he got big into just... the Magic the Gathering world. <laughs> and Is that true? That is that is kind of true why and he he moved further away. And okay. He was always a performer more than a writer. And he's one he's still one of the most like hilarious people I've ever met in my life. He's just one of those naturally funny guys. Uh but he wasn't as like oh, I love sketch comedy and me and Al were. <laughs> so like so Unstable Failure basically whittled away from Monfrere. Like Yes. Yeah. So if you and your brother are are two parts of a trio act why not keep the name on frere uh-huh since that means brother right no that would make <laughs> a lot of sense uh but i did also feel like everyone kind of had ownership of mm. the name on frere and that you know because i'm still friends with all of them and like i said we've kind of got a new merge version of mon frere now um also, why weren't we just called the Schrader brothers? When it, <laughs> <laughs> these are questions I continue to ask myself, but the I just really love the name Unstoppable Failure. And where does that come from? It's just something Al said. <laughs> when he described like our writing process of, I... and the joy of being like a sketch comedian in Greensboro as opposed to like Chicago, New York, or LA when things like feel like yeah. they can mean something. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that takes pe- what like funny little two word phrases that people say and write yeah. them down and hold on to them. Like, yeah, just got a list of stupid names. <laughs> a lot of them, and I'm like, is this a ska band or is this a sketch troupe? Because those, <laughs> if there's an aquatic creature in it, ska band. Anything else, sketch troupe. 
Oh, that so did you know that a Philly comic had a, a Tumblr site that was Ska Band or, or Improv Troupe? No, that's great though. I don't know if it's still up, but like it was like Scott or Improv, and it was just like a photo of a group of people, <laughs> and you had to guess if it was Scott or Improv. And I think I want to say that at midnight show that Chris uh-huh. Hardwick hosted stole it. Oh. And it became a thing where he finally got like, you know, Twitter got credit, credit for it. Nice. Yeah. But it's it's a fun game to play. It like, is. It is. It's uh, very similar looking. <laughs> Bunch so, of rude boys. So the first time I see you live uh, was with Don't We Boys. Oh, nice. Uh, so tell me about Don't We Boys. So Don't We Boys happened uh, pretty much because of Thunderstood is the reason I was able to get involved with Don't We Boys. And we were both at a weird festival in Columbus, Ohio. Uh that Joe of Don't We Boys is definitely the leader of that. That's his baby. Okay. Um, and so they had already had a, like a college tour booked, and one of the guys decided he wanted to have like a normal office job. Like he wanted to be the funny guy at the office. He wanted stability. Mm-hmm. And so I had met them at Columbus. They stayed with me one time when they came through. And we got along, and so. Joe kind of invited me up uh, for a weekend to Michigan. We like to see if we could write well together and all that. And then I just joined the troop and was with Don't We Boys for a while. How does it go to like, yeah, because I think, uh, you know, I see, I I think, what was it, 20, I want to say 16 Mm -hmm. here at Philly Sketch Fest, Don't We Boys played. And I was like, oh, cool, Grand Rapids. And then I find out that one of you is not from Grand Rapids. Like, so how does that work to write remotely like that? Or to to prepare remotely, I'll say. Right. Yeah. It is more preparing remotely because both me and Joe are pretty independent writers. And then, you know, we come together. Uh, The college tour definitely helped a lot with that because we were just in a car for Mm. long periods of time to be able to run lines. And Don't We Boys is also more of a, like, it's a show. Uh, right. a lot of it so it we weren't you know it, there's still a fair amount of new material being generated but it's not like you know we weren't trying to do a monthly show or anything like the show was the show so you could work on it and then you know i'd come in a day early and we run it once and be back up to speed kind of thing like when you mentioned college toilet college tour like what kind of colleges are you performing at uh, a lot of it was kind of the more community college level um, there were some like larger universities. We did some orientations and stuff. You know, it was it was really a crapshoot. It was either like the nicest theater you've ever been in, or you're performing in front of a Burger King, like while they're having lunch and the students don't know that it's supposed to be happening. Yeah, one of those like, hey, surprise! Right, you're you're eating lunch in the student union, but we've got these people that are going to do some make em ups and yeah. funny stuff for you. Like, <laughs> they just wanted the kids to see uh something was happening like yeah we we asked them one time to turn off tvs at one place and they're like oh no that's we had bingo here last week and (laughs) it was fine with all the tvs on we're like yeah it's a little bit different it's just a little (laughs) bit different yeah i I remember like uh at college the student union had like a monthly uh, weekly like wednesday night like right musician and if you turned off whatever espn was playing the day like people were so pissed like no one wanted it like 
Yeah, I think uh, it's Mike Lawrence has a, a line about like comedy's best when it's neither wanted <laughs> nor expected. <laughs> yeah, surprise comedy is, right. is generally not the best thing. Unless yeah. you're the uh, Impractical Jokers. Apparently they're doing right. great with it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it does, it does, like, it pays better than it should <laughs> when you can get that sort of, like, gig going. Oh, yeah. Like, colleges always have that kind of, like, budget yep. for random entertainment like that. Throwing money away. Like, oh, goodness. I wonder if that's still a thing. Like, I'm, I have to, like, look around to see if sketched comedians are doing, like, these college tours now. Uh, not as much. It is very hard. Again, it's, you know, it's a lot harder to organize three people than, uh, solo stand-up and also the way like influencers kind of are now it you don't have a following already it's even tough to get into like the showcases and stuff yeah and like it's uh, i'm so hmm, i'm curious about this whole college thing (laughs) i've got a buddy who's still on the circuit he does like musical comedy stuff and does pretty well but yeah you know he's been doing it for a while and it's still like is exhausting for him so because i remember like hearing like podcasts where they were talking about like there's a convention Yep, that you can go to. There's two. There's two big ones. There's the APCA and the NACA's. NACA, that's the one I that yeah. I remember hearing about. NACA's sure. where all the good schools are at. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the universities with a lot of money are at. Uh, whereas APCA is more of like you pay to get into the showcase and you get ten minutes, and then there's still a ton of schools there, and you can book a lot. But you definitely the the schools with a little more money tend to be at the NACA's. Hmm. So. I'm always curious when people have multiple like projects in the air. Like, right. I mean, you perform as Thunderstood. I've seen you as Unstoppable Failure. Mm-hmm. How do you decide? And I feel like the answer is relatively eat simple here. But how do you decide what what idea goes for what? Right. For me, it is relatively simple in terms of how many people are in the sketch. <laughs> <laughs> like, so for if it's two people, it's Unstoppable Failure. If it's one it's understood you know it was a it was a little more difficult with so don't we boys is on a little bit of a hiatus because joe's opened up a club in grand rapids Mm. Uh, so you know sometimes since don't we boys brought in more money if i did something with don't we boys it that like that was don't we boys a sketch like don't we boys had first dibs because it was you know the business of it but otherwise Number of people is how I mainly determine some. If it's two people, I could make it a Monfair sketch now that we're back. But if if I do that, chances are that Monfair sketch is going to be me and Al in it. So that if I if it goes really well, I can use it in an unstoppable failure show. Uh, so like uh, this is like oh, I don't want to say it this way because it's going to sound like a jerk. But like, do you have a preference of performing solo versus a duo versus in a group? Uh, I so duo right now is probably like my most artistically fulfilling just because that's what i've been working on the writing more for and Mm -hmm. me and aldon you know as brothers just have like a similar sensibility yeah Uh, the most fun is definitely the larger group in terms of just like fun but i have to remind myself to like you know in my career of comedy be like remember aj this is fun (laughs) not everyone has to be on like the same desire as you level you're hanging out like this is a chance to hang out with friends and work on something cool whereas the other projects i I, you know i do tend to like 
occasionally my mind wanders towards the more like business elements of can this become something which is exhausting yeah like i one of the things i i learned early on in, in comedy was that like a lot of sketch county groups grow out of basically having a schedule that works together with people right and the same level of like hey what do we want this to be like do we want yeah. this to be a hobby do we want this to like be something more than that like right. and when, and the trouble comes when like people think they want one thing but then they're not like really the realities of that shift or like because you know people change their opinion over time yeah too and like other stuff gets in the way so uh so and then i mean you're pretty well traveled have you noticed like a difference between audiences and the various cities that you performed in uh yeah i mean a little bit the the college audience first the festival kind of audience is very different and then kind of in between those is the general club audience like mm. festival audiences do tend to be the best audiences it does seem in cities that are a little more i guess like known for comedy like chicago you do have you your first couple sketches are more of a proving ground than they might yeah. be in somewhere where like people are just there to have a fun time like in chicago like people feel like oh i know comedy this guy right. has to win me over, especially because he's from North Carolina. What does he know? Kind of thing. But overall, I, the festival audiences do tend to be my favorite kind type of audience because they know what they're there for. And that's not always the case with other audiences. So tell me about the scene in North Carolina as it stands right now. So in terms of stand-up, it's grown a lot in terms of improv is has been pretty steady with the, like the one club and, and sketch the sketch scene is uh it's small definitely like in greensboro where i'm at i'm you know i'm in every sketch group <laughs> but the state as a whole has some like you know one of my favorite groups is in charlotte but even in a city the size of charlotte like they're kind of the only live sketch group uh they're robot johnson they're yeah. they're a great group of people that are hilarious but then they're also like a large group and i found improv has had a way bigger like foothold kind of across the state and now like there's some groups that people who are like primarily improv comedians who now also do sketch so that's nice to see some of that starting to happen but there's not a lot of research resources in terms of like sketch classes across the state and i really think that's you know kind of how things start to grow scene wise yeah the, for sure yeah. the festival here has definitely like helped people start to be like oh that's what sketch comedy is and so i do get like more people asking like when the next time i'm gonna run a class is and stuff so you're you're the one that would be teaching sketch comedy classes uh in here here in greensboro? greensboro yeah at the the idiot box it's been a while since i've taught any just because i do you know it's tough to teach them and like work on your own stuff yeah so like what kind of like what would be your curriculum as you teach? Like what, cause everyone does it differently. Right. Like, you know, UCB here in, in Philly with fit, like their curriculum is different than UCB's versus. So is there like a hallmark of your curriculum as, when you teach sketch comedy? Uh, I, I definitely, you know, emphasize writing as many sketches as possible rather than like trying to get work on, like some people will try to get you to get one really good sketch by the end. 
where I want you to try a bunch of different things early on so you can because you know sketch is such a it's such a catch-all for everything that's not stand-up and improv now yeah that i want you to try a bunch of different things and also like maybe you make your sketch worse trying to build basic scenic like play so my background actually started like as in playwriting so i'm very like what is characters goals and things and getting people to kind of think about that sort of stuff Versus just putting the joke on the page right. and hoping that that joke flies. Right. Like jokes can come later once you start to develop just like, how does do characters interact? Keep your line short at first. Don't have everyone already always speak in monologues kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the idea that like sketch comedy still has to be a story. Right. I feel is sometimes lost on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily like that, that story has to be, uh, like completely narrative but yeah yeah but and that i think part of that too is that everything does get if it's not one thing it gets lumped in as sketch comedy uh like musical stuff often gets lumped in as sketch comedy Mm. and i really think that's musical stuff there's some stuff that are like musical theater sketch comedy that is sketch and narrative and then there's some like song based comedy that really is more stand up so it lives in between worlds yeah and so it's tough to find that but uh so tell me about the North Carolina Comedy Festival like so it's coming up it is coming up end of next month it'll be in its its third year uh it's grown grown a lot each year um so it's it is you know the bulk of the festival is stand up um, but the first kind of four days or so is improv and sketch. And, you know, we we pack a lot in during that time. <laughs> I generally help with the, the technical aspects of it, but I wasn't on, like, the the panel to choose groups or anything. But, okay. Yeah. Jenny Jenny Stencil and Steve Lesser, who are the owners of the Apex, and Jenny is the executive producer of the festival. They're... They're two of the just like the biggest supporters of comedy I've ever met in my life, as well as hilarious people in their own right. And they, they, you know, they go all out and bring in a lot of people. They try to like make sure that, you know, everyone has like a, a, at least a meal a day kind of thing provided by the festival, even if it's just like oh, pizza cool. at the club and stuff. So it's a good time. It's exhausting, but it's a good time, as you know, running a festival. Yeah, I, I had heard uh, Kurt went down to north carolina for the festival last year and he just said that you were doing tech and you were just so frazzled because you'd yeah. been doing it like f- six days in a row and yeah. all of us we were just like oh that sounds awful right i was just running like... all of the shows because <laughs> again like i like i said i'm the only i'm in every sketch group <laughs> here in the city so i'm the guy who like does the all that stuff yeah uh so it is it is a lot to handle and i was yeah i'm not working full time now so I'm hoping it'll be a little easier this year that I can prepare a little rather than running right from work over to the club to like run a tech with equipment that is not like set up as it should be kind of stuff. So like, and then speaking of tech, you had like, and I think you're the only person I've ever seen to do this. Uh, in most of the sketches I've seen you do uh-huh. between Thunderstood and Unstoppable Failure, right. you control your own tech on your own body yes. as it goes. How did you come up with this 
system. It is something and I learned. Explain from how Joe. it works. So I learned it from Joe Anderson of okay. Joey Boys, and he was doing it out of uh, you know a little bit of necessity of traveling from to school to school. You're not always going to able to get someone up to speed real fast. Sure, absolutely. That it's just easier to be able to control lights and like you know. And so when I run a show here, I'm controlling lights with it too, and it's really just a remapped uh, PowerPoint clicker that is hitting spacebar with a QLab like program running on my computer. Mm. And it's just like a little thing that you have on your waist, like. Yep. And if like if you don't know it's happening, people don't see it, right? Which is like one of the pieces of magic to it, your show. Uh, thank you. It is like, something that I, I feel tough because it does make me like until that first cue works, I'm only thinking about whether or not that first <laughs> cue is going to work. I, I think I think last year I told somebody I was like I was like yeah he he did his own tech and they're like wait what and yeah. I was like yeah watch if you watch him he's always on his his hip like right it's there <laughs> I mean wow hands, it's so cool my like, hands do naturally rest on my hip but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is. Uh, I've heard it like someone came up to me after one show. He's like, were you controlling all your tech? And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, man. At first I thought like, holy shit, that's cool. And then I thought that's micromanaging as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right on both accounts. So, But I also know that when Brian's doing tech Saturday nights here, he's so happy to see you. Because right. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry. He can just enjoy you. Yeah, that's a... Because I always like want the tech person to be able to enjoy the show too, and to be able to take the bulk of that off of them. I know is it also makes my techs go faster. Like I'm less worried about making it there to do a tech run and everything. Mm. So, and yeah, I, I had one one of my early festivals I ever did. Like I did not have the system in place, and stuff did not work. And the person in the booth like did not talk to me about what was happening <laughs> and it was a nightmare scenario. Uh, it sounds awful so, to me. Yeah. It's, uh... With as, as tech heavy as my one man show is, it's nice that if something goes wrong, it's my fault. And right. I never like people are there volunteering. I never want to be upset at someone else when I've traveled somewhere that at least it's my fault. <laughs> if yeah. shit goes bad. Uh, in the past couple of years, what have you performed more as, like, at, like with the duo as Unstoppable Failure or as Thunderstood by yourself? Uh, in the past uh, year, it's definitely been more Unstoppable Failure. And I've kind of, I recently wrote a, and, you know, tested out a bunch of new Thunderstood stuff. So right now I'm in a little bit of a, a Thunderstood swing. Mm. But in general, the Unstoppable Failure has been where the bulk of my focus has been over the past year um so what's it like working with your brother like that like <laughs> like with my siblings and it'll never listen right. to this because they don't care but like <laughs> i can't imagine doing something creative with either, any of my siblings right so it you know it is definitely a sibling relationship uh where when you're on the same page you're more on the same page than anyone outside of your you know your family could possibly be but then you do argue about the stupidest little shit like that does not affect the sketch in any way of <laughs> just like, you know, should no, you need to be center stage versus stage right kind of thing. Like that's going to make or break this. It's not how I envisioned it. Like just little stupid things we get hung up on. But 
overall <laughs> we get on the page same page very quickly and it's worth it and then we also realized when we were being stupid assholes <laughs> <laughs> so like the the brother dynamic totally plays yeah yeah and we, as you, know, you create stuff and we use it on stage too like we realized at one point that it's important for our show to have a a sketch with like us as us just so we stare each other in the eyes as human beings <laughs> and we can tell each other if we've been fucking up or not <laughs> so instead of like doing the, the smothers brothers mom like me more it's like right. hey you're screwing up more than i am yeah, now. Yeah. like, <laughs> like uh, you, I, we said so every time we go on a trip it's not a real trip until aldon has told me to go to hell at least one time <laughs> so when did that happen last year in philadelphia like yeah. uh, i think that was in early in the day when i was like <laughs> Sorry, what's the big brewery there with the brawler? Uh, yards. Yards. We were like, all right, Al. I think I think we need you. We were at yards, and I'm like, yeah, well, I think we should be good. You know, we got the show later, and I was like, why don't you go to hell? <laughs> <laughs> all right, at least you got to Philadelphia yeah, before yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. Uh, you know, I you definitely. Were, I have you were three blocks away from the venue. You were good, right? <laughs> yeah. So. You're not leaving him on the side of the road in Delaware or anything. Oh like that. no, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> he also just takes great joy in telling me to go to hell at this point. It's just like one of his favorite phrases. Uh, I've been meaning to ask people that have been doing this for a while. Uh, do you have a specific sketch that you absolutely love that just has never landed the way you wanted it to? Oh, <sighs> with an audience. Uh, yeah. I well can't say never but just like normally does not (laughs) yeah or Uh, as much as yeah as often as you want it to be like so whereas my beta ray bill sketch always goes over slightly better than it should honestly i have a sketch about being peter pan's shadow that uh is it like went over really well the first time i did it and it has never succeeded since then. Hmm. Uh, I also have a sketch about Falcor going at cyberbullies. Falcor from the Neverending Story, and I yeah. would say that's never gone all that well. <laughs> do you like in your head? Do you have any reason why? Uh, for Peter Pan's Shadow, I think because it's not really a sketch. <laughs> okay uh there's not necessarily like funny moments i think because some people have come up to me even after shows where i thought it didn't go well and told me it was their favorite thing but there's no laughter during it i'm like oh this is this is a weird art piece this is a sketch and you know sometimes i forget to separate those things when i'm like oh yeah this is this is gonna this is so weird looking (laughs) Oh, but it also has to be funny. There has to be jokes. Yeah, you're still at a comedy show. Right. So. Uh, and, and you mentioned like Falcor from Never Ending Story. And uh, I'll fully admit that I have no memory of seeing right. Never Ending Story as a child. I know I have. I just, I don't remember. And Beta Ray Bill, like. Right. That, who I feel is a relatively obscure character. Oh, very obscure. I mean, I think he. he you know, I'm always worried that he's going to become less obscure uh, as they continue to make Marvel movies. But part of the joy of that one is how obscure he is. Uh, 
And you said that it goes better than you than it should. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Uh, I think because the people who connect with it really connect with it uh, mm. hard in terms of like, oh, if they if, and there's also a couple elements to it that even if you don't think it's the most hilarious thing, there's at least one element that you can understand. So the Beta Ray Bill bit, it has the obscurity of Beta Ray Bill, who is this character whose planet, this horse Thor, whose planet has been destroyed a couple times. And so if you just know that character, you're already on board that this guy has made a giant Beta Ray Bill puppet. I know who Beta <laughs> Ray Bill is. That's awesome. Then there's so, also- so it's a puppet sketch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then there's also an element with like, I play basically the sad montage from Up, but with Beta Ray Bill inserted into it. So even if you don't know Beta Ray Bill, you probably know Up. Sure. Right. And then he's also reading from Corman McCarthy's The Road. Uh, so there's at least something. Generally, it's Up is the most accessible thing in it. But there are like levels of accessibility in the sketch that give various pathways through. If you if you get all three pathways, <laughs> you're like, what the, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Did someone write my weird dream kind of thing? <laughs> Yeah, if you get all three, like it's right. perfect for you, but there's still plenty of opportunities to latch on to something. Right. And you can and then, to get the context. If there's one person in the audience who's getting all three, that guy is going nuts. And people <laughs> and people are on board with that. <laughs> now I want to see a sketch where like one like that's so like niche right. like character wise. I want to see where one person's all about it and no one else in the room understands what's yeah. happening. I mean, it's it's real fun to watch that one guy. <laughs> you've been all over. You've done you know a number of different groups. How does Montfrey get back together then? So, uh, kind of because you know, don't we boys is on a hiatus um, with Joe having his club and everything. Uh, I was just I was home more, and so it's easier to have like a fun group when you're <laughs> here to like yeah. get four or five people together. Uh, you know, it'd been over, it'd been like pretty much right at a decade since it had originally stopped since it had stopped its kind of first run. And so it was like, oh, let's do a reunion show. And then it was, oh, we enjoyed this. Like, how can we keep doing this and just have fun and not make it a, a big thing that like we're we're all expecting something out of it. And so just been having a good time hanging out and writing stupid sketches and opens up some of like four person things that i write so yeah uh how often has has monfrere performed together since coming back together uh we've been trying to do like a quarterly performance i guess okay so yeah this will the monfrere is actually performing at the festival here and that'll be our our third show since kind of re rejoining oh very cool yeah what's wikimedians Oh, Wikimedians is that's uh me and my buddy Steve Lesser, who is one of the owners of the Idiot Box, and that's uh that's kind of an opportunity for us to just like work together. We enjoy improvising together. And so Wikimedians, we take it's also it's an exercise in writing. Um, because we take like a word and we just go to the Wikipedia page for it and write a sketch based on that word. And then our next sketch is based on a word that we find a link from in the previous words, Wikipedia okay. page. So you're playing down that rabbit hole. Of yeah. Like Wikipedia. Yeah. The wiki nice. links, so, you know, a nice little hook uh, when you're doing 
shows in one city rather than traveling around, I do find that shows have to have some sort of advertising hook to actually get people into them rather than just like sketch comedy in Greensboro. That doesn't mean anything to anybody, but if you can be like, this is a Harry Potter show, this is a Wikipedia show, just something it gives you a little clearer path for advertising stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, uh- like I mean, you've been doing this forever. You you teach occasionally down there in North Carolina. You've been all over. Uh, what's a piece of advice that you would give to a new writer? Ooh, that's a good question. I think you know, uh, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry. Like, not your ideas aren't going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you you probably have a you're probably a better critic than you are a writer when you start and that applies to your own writing. So just do it, get it up, uh, get it in front of people that aren't your friends. Cause you're not actually going to know if something works beyond an inside joke until you do that. And that's when I see as much as possible, go to festivals. Festivals are the best resource I think for a beginning sketch writer. Cause otherwise you're only going to see like the same group over and over again. Yeah, and and if your city is not big enough and your scene's not big yeah. enough, seeing the same two or three groups is not gonna. Yeah, it's not gonna help anything. It's not gonna change your idea of like what is possible because I know like the first festival I went to, I saw uh, Paul Thomas. Um, he's probably a little better known from the Defiant Thomas Brothers, but his solo show just blew my mind. And I was like, oh, mm. sketch comedy can be that. Uh, you know, kind of like what you were saying about nintendo <laughs> yeah but like it's that same thing of like you just got it seeing live people think they know what sketches from saturday night live you know there's a lot of great sketch on saturday night live but the things people are trying out in the live sketch world are there's just some crazy brilliant things happening that you have to get outside of the sphere of what's immediately around you any chance you get yeah whenever i'm in an audience and like like, I feel like I've seen so much stuff in the last few years. I, I'm a little bit jaded at times. Right. But when I see that sketch and I see that magic trick oh, that's I... about to happen, like, uh, a couple years ago at Philly Sketch Fest, one of, um, and I don't know, you might have seen this sketch around, but uh, the Flat Earth had a sketch called, like, the Curiosity Museum. I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen it. You know, I love a number of their sketches, but I don't think I've but seen like, that But, like, once I realized what was happening, it was the funniest thing on earth to right. me. And, like, I cackled, like, right. audibly in the audience, <laughs> cackling, and I shouldn't be doing that. Right. No, I, I love, like, if something can actually make me laugh now, rather than just sitting back and going, oh, that's good. Like, that, <laughs> it's the best feeling, uh, but it doesn't happen as much because you yeah. do become jaded, just, like, seeing all the tricks so when someone does something new it's or just something that like they're like holy shit why didn't i think of that right yeah there's a joke here in philadelphia that i'm not allowed to sit in the front row right. like <laughs> between my friends like you know it's not philadelphia wide but between right. my friends we're not allowed to sit in the front row because we're so stone-faced half the time like oh that's right. funny but we're not gonna laugh at you like right. until you really make us laugh but then at the same time it can be just as bad like i've got one friend who has seen my show a number of times but it never gets old for him. But he is now laughing, you know, three seconds before the joke is actually delivered. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah, that's definitely not as helpful either, right. for sure. And then uh, finally, like, why comedy? Like you mentioned, you mentioned in passing, like being, you know, starting off a playwright and mm-hmm. 
trying to do that. So why did that go to comedy? And why have you spent all this time doing comedy? Uh, the need to be loved. No, I, <laughs> it's, I do love comedy. You're able to like whittle down an idea into like the core of it. And you get to have that immediate reaction of, is this working? And also like, I, I do just, I honestly, the Muppet, I, I love silliness. I like things that mm. make people the world better uh i used to always want to you know i was i was one of those like angsty high school kids um i played dungeons and dragons a lot and so when i first started like storytelling stuff and comedy and all that i like i wanted to make something for i always told myself i wanted to make something like for the kid like me like watching okay yeah uh and i still have that mentality i I, you know, it's, there, there are definitely like more important things in the world, but, uh, we do also need this levity and it, I'm also geared towards things that I was not naturally inclined to do. Cause I do think I was more, uh, just analytical naturally than mm. like a naturally funny guy. Like people don't meet me and think, oh, that guy's funny. Uh, so I like the challenge of it too has been a big reason that it's stuck with me. I've never feel like I've gotten it licked. All right. Thanks AJ. Oh, thank you. It's been a delight. AJ will be performing his solo act thunderstood at Toronto Sketchfest on March 5th and 6th. For more information on those shows, head to tosketchfest.com. I will be at at least one of those shows. Then, after AJ returns to North Carolina, he will be performing twice at the North Carolina Comedy Festival on March 21st. Mon Frere will be performing with Bad Medicine and High Drama in the 8pm block. And then We Comedians will be performing with Mom's Adhesive and Turkey Leg in the 935 block. For more information on the North Carolina Comedy Festival, check out nccomedyfestival.com. AJ and his brother Al also maintain a very awesome blog about sketch comedy at unstoppablefailure.com, which is their website about their duo. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on the episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>